Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KGF 1220 and 98.1 Radio in Los Angeles. Anyway, each week we have a show where we interview somebody in business, either trying to teach somebody something about business or someone that has a created a new company and we want to learn about the, what the company does. This week we have a great guest. We're going to be getting to him shortly, but before then, because everybody says to me, I don't know why you're spelling Brian with an E. Why is it spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? Because everybody I knew growing up spelled Brian B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N. Why, why, why do you use the E? So, just for that purpose, we hired somebody specifically. Who's an engineer who's going to try to help it out? Matt, are you there? I'm here, Peter. How are you? All right. I'm very happy because my JET jet one. That's right. That's not a perfect event here. All right. I mean, no. I just want to say for the record, and I just sliced bread. Like, I mean, I'm here too. Oh, yeah. And Tracy's here <laughs> too. Oh, <laughs> me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good day. I can do. I can do. not be anything without an elaborate, another E, elaborate guest. Who's a lesser fine? I took that word out of it. And then name it Tracy. Tracy, say hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, Matt. Hi, Tracy. All right. Before we get into the interview, everybody wants to know what is the reason that Brian is spelled with an E. And Matt is going to try to help us out. That's right. Well, uh, as one uh, reason why Brian is spelled with an E. Oh, as the expert on E's, another E for you. There's many reasons. However, I'd like to always start with this first one. E is for education, because we try to educate our listeners each week about business. Well, that's a very good concept. You know, the education is not just what you learn in school. Education is what you learn from other people. And this is how we try to do it each week. We try to educate people on things. Today, we're going to learn about Regenerative agriculture, that's going to be coming up soon. And that is a preview to what's going to happen. So that's what we're going to learn about today. But anyway, let's continue. Well, there's so many to choose from, Peter, but one of my personal favorites is experts because the guests that we have on our show are experts in their field. But to be an expert, what does that mean? Well, you have to run the gauntlet, Peter. That's the bad news. If you want to be an expert, you got to be willing to work hard for it. And it's about 10,000 hours in your field. 10,000 hours? But look, Peter, it's not that hard if you break it down piecemeal. You I'm just go and hold it. I want my 10,000 hours. TV, I can tell you everything about Seinfeld, Cheers, and everything. Well, look at it this way we have 52 weeks in a year. 
We take two off for vacation, get our rest and relaxation, right? So we'll break it down. Not to, if you're not going to but go ahead. That's true. We'll cut it down to 50 weeks, and there's 40 working hours per week. Although we have agreed here now over the last couple of shows that no entrepreneur is working solely 40 hours a week. It's much closer to double that at 80. But when you look at 40 hours a week times 50 weeks in a year, it comes to 2,000. It takes about five years to truly become an expert in your field. Wow. So we have really, really, I'm not really, I'm not really be an expert. I know like 30 years. So I don't even know what that means except I feel really old right now. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, but you took the words out of my mouth. So, okay. <laughs> what, that I'm old? <laughs> that's what you were going to say? Older, yes. <laughs> Well, anyway, Peter, since you won't cue me up, I guess I'll just go ahead with the next E. Uh, e is for experience. Because, ex- well, you're not in the studio. I can't get any, you know, body language cues from you or eye contact, but I'll do my best. Well, I know. Don't me with another E. We, we are working on our telepathy, on our, you know, fifth shared sports teams with the Mets and Jets. So I, I know we're feeling the same emotions here right now, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on it in the yeah, future. The I'm wearing a bag. The color has. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Anyway. E is for experience because experience counts. Well, that that is that is definitely true. Experience counts. What is Tracy? You have one E. I never ever remember. I keep on every week. I go. She has some E that she likes. I cannot remember it. What is that? What is that, Tracy? Oh come on now! How could you forget my favorite E of oh, oh what buying? I can't even remember your name. What is? You can't even remember that I'm on the show to introduce me. So I'm really starting to get concerned about your experience. <laughs> Come on, Joanne. Oh, that's right. It's not <laughs> But Joanne does have a well, Unlike your name. Uh, so, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But the reality <laughs> is that we are all very exceptional, including our guests, who I think we would be with them. If we did not introduce Ben, or the or he may be already running screaming away from. Well, I, I I agree with you on that note, and that without any further ado, and Matt, please explain to the audience why I like the word ado. Well, I've always believed it's because you've been a fan of the Romance language fr- French. However, <laughs> I, I do believe there is another reason, and that is because is only has one consonant, and the rest of the letters in the word ado are nouns. That is correct. Now our guest is like going, what in the world did I get myself into? What is going to happen here? And, you know, am I on the Howard Stern next show or what, what's going on here? We're going to introduce Ken. Ken, are you there? Yeah, I sure am. I, uh, I, I'm actually finding the conversation interesting that I, I like <laughs> acronyms and I like words. And do you know what the is the uh, is an acronym for which word? Luck, luck, L U C K. Where as being a serial entrepreneur, which is what I am. Luck. You know, when people say you're lucky, what I tell them what luck stands for is labor under constant knowledge. So if you well, work hard, it's very good. <laughs> people will claim that you're lucky, but ultimately, you create you can create your own luck. And I think as a kind of business professional, you just you don't. You're, if, I if, love if, that. If, 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 
So we're we're going to use the next term. I get to add it, right? Go ahead. Right. We're, we're going to use that on our next show. We're going to call it ELOC, you know, because that E that, E that, we'll do ELOC, and then we can tell people what it is. Entrepreneurs, and then add on direct. Entrepreneurs, lately, whatever. So, Ken, you have a company. It's called, what is the name of it? Azaluna Foods, like Blue Moon, but Azaluna Foods, A-Z-U-L-U-N-A. And you're doing something interesting that I and the audience are not aware of. Explain to us what is regenerative farming agriculture. What does that mean? Is that like organic? Regenerative agriculture can incorporate organic practices. But what it really does is encapsulates the idea of raising animals on pasture. And we provide them the space and natural environment to have an enriched diet. And and we, we deal with high welfare husbandry. And what it is is restoring the land through integration with the livestock within the land so that we rotate them among our fields. They add essentially by uh, spreading their feces around the ground. It basically builds the soil and the key to the key to healthy food for all of us is having healthy soil. And we deplete, unfortunately we depleted the soil. And I think an interesting fact, because not to give away my age, but I was born in 1958. And what they say today is one carrot in 1958, to get the same nutrient density, you have to eat 100 carrots today. Just because the, the soil that's coming out, one apple in 1958, you have to consume six apples to create this, to get the same nutrient density. So over regenerative far, farming is really about taking care of the planet and taking care of humans. And by having more nutrient-dense food, we can actually improve the quality of our lives. And we work, interesting enough, with the Tufts University, the Friedman School of Nutrition, Science, and Policy, which actually, actually had a, we were involved with the White House Council Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. And, you know, really what's, what's they say that, you know, $23.5 trillion could be saved if we would just eat better and more nutrient-dense food. It's just, I hate to say it's as simple as what you put in your mouth, but what you put in your mouth is, is, is how your it's food is medicine. Eat the right things and you'll, you may not live longer, but you certainly live a better life during that time. And that's what regenerative farming is about, taking care of the land, soil, and growing nutrient-dense, in our case, protein into the animals. But it, it, the same is true if you're growing produce. Now, how did you get into this business? What, what did you do prior to it? Well, I, I actually ran this simultaneously. So I started originally, I actually was headed to California, never quite got there. I grew up in Woodstock, New York, headed to California, ended up in Texas and worked in the oil services business there. Following that, I started a technology business in 1986. I just, I ran that for 37 years where we designed, built, and serviced the infrastructure behind IT and telecom. So we work with wireless companies, broadband companies, and computer data processing companies. And then, so what I saw was, you know, I ended up locating to Woodstock, Connecticut, which is outside of Boston, ended up with a lot of 280 acre farm. And unfortunately, there's always difficult, difficult things happen in every entrepreneur's life. And unfortunately, my, my wife, who's my best friend, passed away 22 years ago of colon cancer. Not, and she ate very healthy, but it drove me to say, you know, what is it and what should we be and what should we be doing? So I guess this is more of a passion play. I've since sold most of my business. I'm selling a couple others and I'm focusing all my energy on both 
Aslan, which does regenerative, we combine regenerative agriculture with culinary arts. We're working with one of the best culinary schools in the country called Johnson and Wales University. And then we have, combine it with nutritional sciences. So regenerative agriculture, culinary arts, nutritional sciences to create macro and micronutrient balanced meals that we ship all over the country. We also make products, again, all that are, all that come from regenerative farms, come from by most classically trained chefs and with dietitians and doctors that help to make sure that what you put in your body is, is going to help you. And we make it easy because most people like myself don't have enough time. So everything is, you can put it in an in a, in a oven for 15 minutes, you put it in a microwave for three, you're eating essentially a, a phenomenal meal that's uh, good for you. No, no, no sugars, no, uh, no added sugars, no added salts, no chemicals. It's really pretty phenomenal. And, you know, at the same time, we also offer with this, we do an online, one of our products, we do a pasture raised chicken bone broth, which is like an elixir of life. And we do a nutritional uh, guidance education online. So it's, it's all pretty interesting. And it's a passion for me to kind of improve, you know, improve our, 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 our communities and our, and, and the way we live and be part of, it was essentially changing the arc of what we're doing as a, as a country. But that is definitely, that is a lot of stuff. We, we could do the whole show just on what you just said right there. That is, and that is quite an amazing backlog. You know, you've, you've gone from one, one industry to another industry and now you're into the farming industry. That's not typical. Typically, I would not expect somebody to have go from A to B to C. And I mean, I, you know, there is, while there is technology in farming, while there's oil and et cetera, that combination is such an unusual combination. You're probably a very unique guest for us in that respect. Although we've had people from many, many different industries that I don't know that you have too many farmer technology people who started out in oil services. So that, that, that is, that is quite an unusual background. Question for you. When did you start the company? We started in 2010, but I very, on a very small scale, I like to think of the, uh, as a Luna, which was a, a Cinderella, a little bit of a Cinderella company that I started on the side. I, I've been at times running, you know, I, I, you know, quite different than Elon Musk, but I'm probably running at times nine different businesses. So that what now has happened is that my interest and my focus really post COVID, right? COVID was what cemented for me, you know, really focusing my energy on this because ultimately what's happened with food and food production and COVID, everyone's, it became, you know, obviously over a million people passed away through COVID that most of us are walking around with inflammation in our bodies. And the way that, you know, low level inflammation, something that you might not even know, because I know, unfortunately, we all know that people have died of COVID and they seem like they were healthy people. Well, what's happened is that a lot of our food is produced with, you know, a lot of people are negative on genetically modified food. I think some genetically modified food's fine if you're going to make plants that are more drought resistant in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, certainly fine. You know, people need that. But what we've done in this country, unfortunately, is we've made what are called industrial grade corn and soy. So we're growing genetically modified corn and soy that often they can spray Roundup, which are most of us heard what Roundup is, kill all the weeds and this can grow up. The, the problem is when you eat food and it's hard to find food that doesn't have corn in it or corn syrup, corn starch, corn something, or soy in it, your body has a hard time digesting this industrial grade corn. You create inflammation in your body. And then when COVID came along, it just drove your system into, you know, it, it saw something as far and something that was damaging to you and then overreacted to it. 
And that's really one of the biggest issues that occurred. Not that that low, that low level inflammation wasn't going to kill you by itself, but certainly when COVID came along, it created a, a reaction to that low level inflammation. So the whole key for us is creating food that doesn't have that, doesn't create that. And, and I will tell you the big companies out there are certainly getting the message and you need small entrepreneurial people like ourselves to kind of push them in the right direction. And you also need consumers to be aware of it so that they're buying and concerned about buying the light, the right foods and then taking the light things in their body. Now, uh, so where is it just available online or are there other methods to get, get new products? No, we primarily go through online. The internet's been an amazing, obviously an amazing tool. You know, not unlike you know, being a technology guy, I, I started with mainframes back. In, I think I dealt with the very first PC, which was the XT back in 1979. So it's been around a while, but the technology internet is, is really where to go because the hardest thing is getting farmers to make money. And particularly in the Northeast where we are, we've been losing farming since the, clearly since the 1850s, 1860s. The land was expensive, and we became very urbanized, industrial in the, in the East Coast here. And anyone who wanted to farming moved to Pennsylvania, Nebraska, you know, west, even all the way, obviously, to California, which has a very robust farming segment of your, of your state. In the Northeast, we hardly have any farms, and there's, without any big farms, there's no grain to be able to feed your, you know, animals. Typically, most of them can't survive or can't grow at a, at a reasonable rate without some sort of you know, grain, which is really just a high-density food rather than just a, a more of a low-density food with grass. And we're trying to, you know, figure out a way to bring farming back to New England and we are bringing regenerative farming back. And one of the most important things that we do here is that we connect urban dwellers with their farms so that we can take people out of New York, Boston, Hartford, Providence, Rhode Island, and have them come out and experience farming as, as it once was and be able to allow them to have some interaction with farm animals and to learn about, uh, about really four pillars that we deal with. To simply say one of the pillars is, is soil management, water management, energy management. The second one is a broad-based sustainability. The third one is food, how it's produced, where it comes from, how it's distributed, and then ultimately is food, is medicine, how it impacts you. And the last one, which is, is current fund, is also animal sciences. And when you can interact with animals, which a lot of us people don't do anymore today, is you get to understand and realize that we all are all animals. And I know some of the conversation I was listening to before I got on, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but it, it, we, we demonstrate certain traits that are chickens, the pigs and sheep, which are primarily what we raise here in our farms and our goal. You'll realize that we behave a lot like those, those animals, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but you know, we, we have to recognize that. Well, that, that, that's very interesting. You know, I, you may not be aware. So I grew up on Long Island and maybe probably about 15, 20 years before I was born, it was mostly, although a lot of potato farms, it was big out in Long Island. Now with uh, the Hamptons and everything else, all those places bought up and, you know, converted into suburbanite residential places. So, so it's very interesting, you know, concept, very, very similarity in the same concept. Again, it's Northeast. So that, that's very interesting. We have about another minute, minute and a half left before we're going to take a quick first break. And so one of the things I wanted to understand, do you have like distribution centers in other parts of the country? Because when you're doing it online, you know, it's, that might be great if you want to ship to Northeast if you have a center in Connecticut, but 
probably to cover the United States, you probably need to have one out west or somewhere else. And where where are most of your customers? No, no, good, good question. They're probably in the Northeast. Uh, you know, but we can ship it to Maine, right? We put ice packs in there and the food travels well. We've tested it out. We work with FedEx and UPS and it travels in about a day and a half. The meals are good between seven and 10 days. So we basically order by Sunday night uh, at midnight. We basically source from the farms on Monday, Tuesday. We ship on Wednesday. And typically, the food will show up in the Northeast on Thursday and all the way to California on Friday. And a big shout out to listen, my mom's actually lives in Santa Clarita. She's 91. I'll credit her. Oh, wow. That's what it's really. I understand that. She's very excited what she knew was going on. So hopefully, she's listening. But she's, you know, she was, I mean, one of the things that, as your listeners should know before one minute, I mean, if you can eliminate sugar, eliminate salt, eliminate chemicals out of your diet as best you can. And the other thing is to drink a lot of water, which is essentially your body weight split in half. And that's how many ounces of water you want to consume in a day. You can do that. You're, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely be a lot healthier. I am just very impressed by your products and your mission and the values of your company. And I would know that. The, getting the word out on this, especially with the distribution method being primarily online, I'm sure it's come with some challenges. You've obviously been doing it successfully. Can you talk to us about your marketing strategy, how that's working for you, and how you're executing it? Yeah, well, it's a good question. Just full disclosure, I, I'm, I'm a engineering by training at the University of Texas at Austin. So in all my business I've ever built, I believe in, in, in first building the product and making sure that it's the right thing. I mean, it's very important to us that whatever we're saying to our consumers is real, it's validated. And in this case, because we're really combining regenerative agriculture, culinary arts, and nutritional sciences, the first thing we did was we made sure that we worked with the actual best of the universities and, and minds that we could. So on our board is Dr. George Saperstein, who ran the Tufts University Cumming School of Veterinary Medicine. So we understood everything we needed to go, along with the UConn, which has got a great ag program. We then also worked with Johnson Wales University, the College of Food Innovation Technology, this gentleman called Evans, who's the founding dean of that. And then we also, with nutritional sciences, we worked with the Tufts Freedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy. We also dealt with Harvard University to make sure we were real, but make sure that what the promises we were making to our consumers were accurate, were based in science, and and we could deliver. So we were in no particular rush, and also because we were building out the farm, there was no farming here in New England. We were building that out. So now, once we've got to the, you know, we've got the product and the system in place, we've developed some products, and we're excited. So our new launching project products that are launching soon with Pastor Ray's Bone Bill out there. We some energy truffles, some really cool things. Some of you'll see on the website, some of you won't because they're not quite there yet, but they will be soon. So once we've got the sort of like what, when you say market, we've got the buzz, we've got the credibility. Because the one thing about the internet cut both ways. It can help you, it can hurt you if people turn on you and feel that you're not being true to your mission or your statement. So we've been very cognizant of to be true about what we're saying to underpromise and overdeliver. So now we've got an absolute great product. The meals are uh, phenomenal. They're being cooked. We, we figured out all the shipping and all that. We're combining nutritional science in there, both through education and, and in the product. So, you know, we ultimately right now it's getting on the internet and I guess going to just talk about what we're doing at this point. We've got a PR 
agent out there who's looking and putting us in front of different folks. I have a social media, full-time social media director who's basically pushing out, making sure we're out there and people see us. Yeah, people have to see things two, three, seven times sometimes before they'll even try. And we do have incentives, which we, I guess we're going to get out the end of the show here, how to, how to try our meals out. And so that you can, I mean, one thing is our attrition with food, people have to taste it. So you have to incentivize them to taste it. And then if they love it, they keep buying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really comprehensive strategy. They just unpack. So what we were just about to unpack before the break was your marketing strategy. And what I understood you to say, and just for clarification for those who are listening, so it sounds like you've done a lot of brand building through credibility with with the strategic partnerships and collaborations around the universities and the cooperative programs and things like that. And then secondarily, PR and publicity push. And then the sampling of the food itself, because I thought you made a really good point in terms of it's not like you're trying to drive people to an online course per se. You're literally trying to drive people to make a purchase online. So I was curious if you had anything specific that you could share about what happens, like, for example, in the social media and in the PR, what are some of the efforts that have been happening once someone hears about you or sees you on search or hears you in a, on a radio show, like, say, what's the call to action that's getting people to then convert into a customer? Well, what we do is we give them you know, our goal here is we actually have a code that gives them 50% off the meals the first time. They come packaged either 8, 16, I think it's 8 or 16 meals. I don't think there's more than that at this point. And we give, we give, we'll tell you, you can get it for half off, which for us is really, you know, obviously, you know, we're probably subsidizing that. And uh, the shipping is, it, it, we don't do free shipping, free shipping is sort of Nothing's free, right? But if you order over a certain amount of money, it says on the website, we'll, we'll send it free. And uh, that's really to get them to taste it. I mean, I honestly, I eat my own food all the time I have. I've been having, unfortunately, I said early in a meeting, early in our conversation, but with my wife passing away, I had to have someone come in and help, help out, raise my kids, and help do things around. So I, I've been having people cook for me from the farm for, for 20 years at this point. And so... It's just, you know, I want convenience. And what, to me, I, I don't want to think a lot about what I'm, to me, food is fuel. I'm, I'm a busy guy. I got lots of stuff going on. I love sitting down and having a, it'll be great to have go dinner with you folks. We'll get out. I, well, next time I'm out in Santa Clarita, we'll go to dinner sometime. It's great. I enjoy it. But most of the time, I just want to eat. I want a great food, but I don't want to spend a lot of time. I just, I need often, like our meals, we actually have to take it on the road with, uh, with you. There's a, there's a special hot pocket we make, which you can actually heat it up in the car, but we put an ice pack in there with your meal so you carry it around. So at noontime, when you're hungry, you can take the ice pack and plug it in your cigarette lighter or not cigarette lighter, just a DC outlet. I forget the, it shows my age or where, where I am, but. <laughs> and that was my 91 year old mother who told me that. She just says, look, you got to get with it. It's a, but it's, you know, just a DC outlet, plug it in. It'll heat your meal up so you can eat. And the difference between eating our meal at a lunch, or even a dinner, is you don't feel tired. Sometimes you go to, I don't want to mention any chains, but when you eat things, you know, 15 minutes later, you're, you're lethargic. It's just, your body is like time to digest all these things that are not natural. And with my meals you eat, you feel energized. You just keep going. And to me, when you were talking earlier on about business, about the idea of working hard, how many hours you work, 40 is, you know, 
whether you're working 40, you're working 80 or age 120 hours. To me, I work all the time, but I enjoy it. I like when you enjoy work or you enjoy what you're doing, it's not really work. It's what I want to do. So, you know, you need food, food to fuel you. And they say, right, a lot of stuff, they, they'll tell you that a lot of stuff comes from your mind, right? your energy, your, your, your mind leads, right? You project forward what I want to do, and then you, you move forward. Well, my nutritionist really said, Ken, it doesn't start in your mind. It starts in your gut, healthy guts, right? Because in your gut, if you're eating the wrong thing, it impacts your brain function and you can't function. So it's silly that, you know, it's sort of like you know, you, you, people wouldn't put bad fuel into their vehicles. People put bad fuel into their own vehicle to them. And then they expect to see, to see good, great production going forward. And it's got to start getting good, good food into you. Well, and it sounds like the crux of the marketing strategy for you, just to extending, you know, past the logistical aspects of it, is it's a really core focus on education. And I know, I know one of the, we were talking during the break about the fact that Consumers have access to a, a nutritionist when they are a customer of your product. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Sure. We're launching a bone broth with the, interesting. It's another part of the marketing piece that I'm not, it'll be out, I guess, and be announced probably in another seven days. But this, this is sort of an, well, this first thing's an exercise or super training with one of the largest kind of online exercise groups in I would say probably in the country, and since the, we're the largest country probably in the world, and we co-branded a, a product with her, and she'll be announcing that. And when you buy that product, you get three months of a nutritional program with Azalona, which means we give a five-week program that you're, you can be part of that free. So you, you sign up, you get three months of free, you get five weeks of kind of a, what we call a a lifestyle challenge where you understand your relationship to food. And then you get actually access to the online meal programming. You, you get to join the community group to support you and what you're doing. And then you get online access to an RD to be able to ask any questions and get an answer back anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. I mean, most of the times it's not like a medical emergency when you just need to know whether this is good food to eat or not. You can send them in a text or an email and you'll get an answer back. So yes, it's kind of nutritional guidance. Because a lot of people just don't, the old kind of food pyramid isn't really valid anymore. And I guess I, I will promote that the, the White House just held this conference on, on food, hunger, nutrition, health. And it's the second one. The first one was done over 50 years ago with Bobby Kennedy in 1968-69, where we found people with starvation in Mississippi and Alabama. And the decision there was to put in policies that we had to go more, get more food for less money. But at that time, we didn't understand nutrition. We didn't understand the body as well as we do today. So they did a great job with food today in this country, you know, up to this point has been for less money and plentiful, but they didn't always think about nutrition, about the nutrition density and the chemicals they put in to give them more longevity. So they're going back. They had the conference and they're going to make some new policy changes. And hopefully, you know, within the next several years, we'll start to see change. And I know the big companies, I'm, the, I'm part of a food innovation council, has companies like Pepsi, which you wouldn't necessarily think is, is focused on nutrition. Campbell Soup, General Mills, they are all concerned about making sure their food is healthy now, it, but it's up, up to us, I guess, and the consumer to buy the right thing. If we buy the wrong thing, they keep making it for us. But we need to make the right choices to basically 
have better health. And I think what I would leave everybody with, if there's anything I think the most important thing that I more recently learned is even drinking water. If you don't drink enough water, what happens when you dehydrate, the, your body robs water from your brain. And you would think that, you know, in, in, in the 21st century, the brain's a very important function. Now, it's not necessarily, you know, age or time of, of, of appropriate or time accurate is the way to say it, is that when the cavemen were running around, running away from a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you wanted the water to go to your arms and legs so you could run away. You know, you, you wouldn't care if maybe you had less, you know, your brain was dehydrated. Today, there are linkages that say dehydration can lead to early Alzheimer's and other things. So the key is to drink half your body weight in water. So critic, critic people. That's great. I was pausing because I thought we might be up against a break. So, and I think that, you know, one of the things that you said that I just wanted to highlight here is that being able to provide access to this level of information, because there is so much information out there. I mean, in fact, you know, right before the show, I Googled, what are fruits you can eat on a low-carb diet? <laughs> because when I packed my lunch, I grabbed an apple, and I even really wasn't even 100% sure whether it was an apple. Does an apple work in a low-carb diet? I don't know. So I think it's, it's so great to be able to combine with science that I could place you in the end the customer experience together for a very powerful brand loyalty strategy. Thanks, Tracy. Till next week, the S. Brian Radio Show, KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Over and out! Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.